God calls us to his word. We hear uh, the word from the Gospel of Luke today, chapter 24, verses 13 through 35. I invite you to open in your Bibles, uh, on your phone if you have it nearby, or read the words on screen as we have them. Now that same day, this is Easter evening, now that same day two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about everything that had happened. And as they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. But they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, What are you discussing as you walk along? And they stood still, their faces downcast. And one of them, named Cleopas, asked him, Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know these things that have happened there in these days? What things? he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but they didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. And then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. He said to them, How foolish you are, and how slow to believe all the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. And as they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he was going farther. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. And when he was at table with them, he took bread and he gave thanks and broke it and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? And they got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. And there they found the eleven and those with them assembled together. And they they were saying, it is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. And then the two told what had happened on the way. And how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. God, as we come to your word, open our ears to hear and open our eyes to see you and our hearts to know you, to recognize you as our risen Savior, that we may follow you along the way and be your people. This we pray through your Holy Spirit who does all these things in us. Amen. There's an old Greek story you may have heard of or perhaps read in high school called The Odyssey. 
the Odyssey. It's this long epic tale where the, the main character, Odysseus, has this long journey home. He's a hero. He's a war hero coming back from the Trojan War. And as he goes home, somehow the gods, with a small g, the gods decide to test him along the way. And as he goes, he passes through many trials. He, he has monsters like Medusa and, and Scylla and storms and whirlpools and disasters of every kind. There's even sirens that tempt him to go astray. Basically, everything goes wrong that could go wrong because it's a Greek story. But somehow he survives and he makes it home. And of course, since it's a Greek epic story, nothing is done the easiest way. Instead of just waltzing into his house and saying, honey, I'm home, he he comes up with a plan. He disguises himself. See, he's not sure if his wife still loves him, if his family has been faithful to him. He wants to make sure of this, so he dresses like a dirty traveler along the way, like a homeless person in need of a place to stay for the night. And as he comes into his home, no one recognizes him. Not even his nursemaid, his housekeeper, the woman who raised him from a baby. And she offers him hospitality. She washes his feet, which is what they always did to travelers back then. And as she washes his feet, she tells him about her missing master, about how good and kind and brave he was, about how he's been gone for years and how everyone in the household misses him. And as she washes his feet, she remarks, you know, he was about the same age and and the same build, the same body type as you. And then she tells a story about how he was gored by a boar in the leg when he was a little boy, and then her hand touches the scar. And then her eyes are opened, and she realizes that it's him, that it's Odysseus, her long-gone master, right in front of her. And the whole household breaks out into joy, and they receive him with a great feast. Now these two travelers on the way to Emmaus recognize Jesus with that kind of great joy. They didn't see Jesus. They didn't recognize him as they walked with him along the way for hours. And then, then he broke the bread. Then their eyes were opened. Then they recognized him. Then they understood how he opened the scriptures to them along the way. And then they quickly got back on the way again, back to Jerusalem. But their story starts in a a very different place. They begin from a place of deep disappointment. Now, this is an Easter Sunday story, but it's not a happy Easter Sunday story, at least not at first. In fact, for most of the day, Jesus' followers have been in despair. They've been in confusion. They've been in the dark. They don't know where Jesus' body has gone, what has happened to our Savior's body. And they can't understand what had happened, what what happened to this would-be Messiah, how he is now dead. And they're filled with this this sense of grief and disappointment. What what are they going to do with that? Well, some of them go into hiding. Some of them hide in the upper room and stay there. Others go to the tomb to see for themselves. And these two followers of Jesus hit the road. They get on the way. They they leave Jerusalem late that Easter afternoon. And they're headed uh, west to a small town called Emmaus. And no one knows exactly where it is. Somewhere a little west of Jerusalem in the hills. It's about a seven-mile walk from Jerusalem, uh, says Luke. So maybe it would take about two hours at a good pace. Maybe it took them longer that day, uh, heads down, going slowly, talking along the way, weighed down with despair. Maybe they wanted to uh, escape it all, leave it all behind. But they couldn't help talking about it as they went, uh, talking about all the confusing events of the day and the the previous days. They can't make any sense of it. And as they walk, 
Jesus comes up to them from behind, also leaving Jerusalem, and he walks with them. Now, they don't recognize him because their heads are are down and they're not looking for him and they don't expect to see him. Luke says that their eyes are, are kept from recognizing him, either by themselves and their preoccupation or by the sun setting in the west or maybe by God himself and God's power. We don't know why they don't recognize him. But Jesus asks them, what are you talking about along the way? And that, that brings them to a standstill. They, they stop dead in their tracks and their faces are still downcast. Cleopas, one of them, says, are, are you the only one who doesn't know? Uh, you must be a stranger to Jerusalem. You're not from around here. Don't you know the things that have been happening recently? Jesus replies straight-faced, what things? And they answer with this summary of Jesus' life and Jesus' ministry. Now, they, they leave some things out, if you notice. They, they soften some of the strange or harsh bits. And they say Jesus of Nazareth was a, was a prophet, uh, you know, a powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. They don't quite call him a Messiah here. They, they conveniently leave out the part of the Roman Empire crucifying him. They, they, pointed, they point to the rulers and the chief priests uh, who betrayed us. And then, then comes the most poignant line of the story. The, but we had hoped. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. There, there's so much hope and disappointment in that one line. But we had hoped. It's all past tense. We were hoping. We had hoped, but we don't anymore. We have lost hope. We thought he was the one, the Messiah, the Redeemer, the Rescuer of Israel. We thought he was going to, about to, redeem Israel. We had hoped, but we don't anymore. And then they tell this uh, confused version of the women's Easter story, their Easter good news. It's not quite the same one that Luke tells a little bit earlier in this chapter when, when the women go to the tomb These guys say, well, this morning, the third day since he died, some of our women surprised us. They went to the tomb and did not find his body and saw a vision of angels that he was alive. But Cleopas and friends leave out the best part. What the angel says is, he is not here. He is risen. And they, they also know that some of the disciples went to the tomb too and found the body missing and didn't see Jesus, him They did not see, emphasize some translations. And their story ends with confusion and darkness. They cannot see Jesus. Now, before we're too harsh to these two travelers, these two poor followers of Jesus on the road to Emmaus, let's put ourselves in their place. They've been following Jesus for how long? We don't know. It could have been months, years, maybe since Jericho, who knows, but at least long enough to put their hope in him. Where is your Emmaus? You see, these two, when their hope is lost, they leave Jerusalem. They go to Emmaus. So where is your Emmaus when your hope is lost? What's the place you go to when you're filled with grief and disappointment? Maybe you head to the bar or pick up a wine glass. Maybe you go for a walk in the woods. Maybe you uh, immerse yourself in a book or pick up the remote and watch a, a whole TV show. Maybe you watch endless silly videos on the internet. And maybe you do whatever it takes 
to, to, to fill that disappointment, to forget that lost hope. And what were these two hoping for anyway? I mean, maybe they thought Jesus would free Israel from Roman rule. Maybe they were hoping Jesus would start a revolution in that same week in Jerusalem. Maybe they hoped Jesus would become the new king in the line of David. And we know that none of that is Jesus' plan. We know that the Prince of Peace was not about to start a revolution. We know that the son of David would be a different kind of king. What were they hoping for? Did they hope that Jesus would make Israel great again? Did they hope that he would bring in a new kind of foreign policy with Israel first? Did they, whatever they hoped for, Jesus disappointed them. And what are you disappointed about as you walk along the way? See, uh, people and and politics and organizations, they they disappoint us. Parents disappoint their children and, and children disappoint their parents Uh, pastors disappoint their congregations and congregations disappoint their pastors. Uh, Spouses disappoint each other all the time. And families disappoint each other all around the table. And the question, says one pastor, is what do you do with that disappointment? See, for these two travelers to Emmaus, disappointment strips them bare Disappointment removes all their hopes and expectations of who Jesus is, the things that are giving in the way of them seeing Jesus right in front of them. See, disappointment prepares them to see Jesus as he truly is. And back on the road, Jesus tells them, Jesus listens to their confusing, disappointed version of the Easter story. And he's got his own story to tell, but, but first he's got a, a rebuke. For them, he says, How foolish you are, and how slow to believe all the prophets have spoken. And then he goes back and tells their whole story over again, but differently. He starts way back at the very beginning. He starts with Moses. He goes back to Genesis and Exodus and the books of the law. He tells the whole story from creation to fall to redemption and this agonizing, slow history of God's work through the people of Israel to redeem the whole world. And he shows them how the Messiah was always going to suffer. He was always going to be the one to suffer these things. The Messiah would suffer because God is not a vengeful God who demands this blood payment for sin, but because the way that God redeems evil and sin and suffering is by passing through it himself in the person of his only begotten son, Jesus That's how God's glory is revealed here, in the suffering of Jesus, in the the light of the Messiah. And Jesus teaches them to interpret all of Scripture, from Moses to himself, all of it in light of the Messiah, in light of him, the risen Savior. Oh, I wish I could have been a a fly on the wall or a, a bird overhead when Jesus walked with them on the Emmaus Road to hear that sermon, to hear how Jesus laid out the Scriptures to them, to feel my heart burning within as he spoke to us. It must have been glorious. And maybe these things are starting to make a little bit of sense to them, but they still don't see Jesus walking right with them. And knowing about Jesus, you see, knowing about Jesus is not the same thing as seeing him. It's not the same thing as recognizing him. And knowing about Jesus is not the same thing as truly knowing who he is. See, the miles pass by quickly as they listen. And soon they find themselves at their destination, Emmaus, this this small town. Maybe it's their home, we don't know. 
And Jesus looks like he's going to continue on the way, but they insist that he stop and stay with them. It's nearly evening. It's not safe for travelers on the road. There's bandits out there, and they offer him hospitality. They welcome this stranger, who they still don't know is Jesus. They welcome him into their home. They offer him safety and a bed and a meal. And and at the table, at the table, Jesus takes on the role of host. The host would be the one who'd break the bread for them, but no, Jesus takes the bread. Jesus gives thanks for the bread, and he breaks it, and he gives it to them. And in that moment, their eyes are opened. They can see this is Jesus. This is the one in whom they'd hoped. This is the one they thought had disappointed them. But their hopes were right after all. And it's in that same moment when they recognize him that Jesus disappears. And they don't seem at all frustrated or confused by that. They've seen the Lord. He is not here. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. And they remember how their hearts were burning within them as they walked along the road and as he preached to them along the way, how he opened the scriptures and made sense of everything, how he opened their eyes, how he revealed himself to the word, and and how they remember how he fed the 5,000, how he took bread and, and gave thanks and broke it and gave it to people. They remember what his disciples said about that last supper they had with him. They remember how it felt to hear Jesus teach and preach. They remember what it felt like to walk with Jesus. They remember the gospel. And the thing about the gospel is it's not good news until you've told it. It's not good news until you've shared it. See, the gospel becomes good news when it is told. They cannot stay in Emmaus. They have to get up. They have to go. And so they do. They immediately get up and they rush back to Jerusalem that night on the dangerous road in the dark without headlamps. And they go to the disciples and the other followers of Jesus who are are hiding in an upper room. And before they can even tell them what's happened, they hear the good news again. It's true, the Lord has risen and he's appeared to Simon. And then they add their story to the excitement how Jesus walked with them and talked with them and how they recognized him as he broke the bread because they saw Jesus. I I love this story. I love this story. It's one of my favorites in the whole Gospel of Luke and I've been looking forward to preaching it since we started way back at Christmas I love it because it brings the whole story together. See, it's all about the big story of Scripture. It's all about how God is redeeming the whole world through Jesus Christ. And we, we don't get to hear Jesus' words, how he preaches to them, and how I wish we had a recording of what he said on the way to, to Emmaus. And over the next few weeks, we'll get a bit of a glimpse of that, how the early church made sense of all of Scripture in light of Jesus. We see it in the early book, in the early chapters of Acts, when the disciples preach, and they bring in Isaiah and the prophets to explain who the Messiah is. And then, they, they, like these two travelers on Emmaus, they didn't see, they didn't know, they didn't recognize Jesus until he revealed himself to them. I love this story, too, because it happens on the way. It happens along the way. And these two followers of Jesus, filled with disappointment and, and doubt and despair, they, they are on their way out of Jerusalem. And it becomes the way of Scripture, explained by Jesus himself. It becomes a way of, of witness back to Jerusalem and beyond. And it's no coincidence that the early followers of Jesus weren't called Christians at first. They called themselves the way the way. They were the followers of the way of Jesus. They were on the way, walking with Jesus to Emmaus 
and Jerusalem and beyond to the ends of the earth. And I love this story too because it sets my heart burning. Because Luke tells the story like he was there. And some, some commentators think he might have been one of the two along the road. He could have been, we don't know. But the story is so full of detail. It, these, these emotional details. How on that same Easter day in the afternoon it happens. How their faces were downcast. How, how they say, but we had hoped. And then they say, were not our hearts burning within us? I love this story because it's true to our experience as followers of Jesus. See, we walk along the way of faith. And most of the time, like those two on the Emmaus Road, we can't see Jesus. But, but occasionally, in those most ordinary places, among ordinary people, doing ordinary things, we see Jesus. We recognize him in the breaking of the bread. We see him in the face of a stranger. We, we see Jesus when he reveals himself to us in Scripture And being a follower of Jesus today means that we are always on the Emmaus Road. Him we do not see until suddenly, mysteriously, by the power of the Holy Spirit, he reveals himself to us. Jesus reveals himself in these most ordinary ways. And we give thanks to God for that. And we give witness to it because the gospel is not good news until it is told. Until we give witness to the ways we've seen Jesus along the way in our lives. It happens along the way. And more often it happens when we are doing the things of Jesus than we are talking about Jesus. It's when we're doing Jesus' things that we see him, we meet him, he reveals himself to us, and we follow, giving a witness to what we've seen and heard in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's pray. O risen Savior, we see you. We want to see you. We we want to give witness to the ways we've seen you along the way in our lives. Like these two Emmaus road travelers uh, who, who are sometimes blind and sometimes see you, who are filled with this burning in their hearts. Let us be followers of you along the way, who see you, who recognize you, and, and who speak of your good news that others may know and see you too. God, transform us by by meeting you, by recognizing you, to be your your followers who who know your story, who know the scriptures, and through you, through the light of Jesus Christ, that we may walk in your way, that we may be known as followers of Jesus, and that in following you, we we may be transformed, that we may be agents of mercy and goodness and justice in the world, that we may always speak your name, and we may give praise to you in all we do. God, we trust that you are doing that in our midst, that that you have revealed yourself to us today and that you have revealed yourself to us in our lives. And we pray, do it again. Show us by your spirit, your face, that we may see you and know you and recognize you and follow you. We pray this in, in your name and by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Since we are travelers on the way with Jesus, we respond in song. Uh, and I'd like to, to sing for you and invite you to sing with me a, a song by a familiar tune, but with some slightly different words based on this 